Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him, and he went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed. For until then, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look inside the tomb. She saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking this was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had seen these things to her. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. These things are written so that we can know that we have eternal life. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, our Savior, our Master, and our friend, we're grateful for all that you endured in this holy week, the pain, the suffering, having your own followers turn their backs on you, only to come to Sunday morning and have breath fill your lungs once again. Thank you that you lived on that day and that you live today. You live right now in the presence of the Father, interceding for us, loving us, and we can have a relationship with you right now, here. Thank you for that. Thank you that you are not just a myth or a memory, but that you are a, a man and a God who loves us. Thank you for listening to the Father, for being willing to be sent. Thank you for your submission and surrender to him that has ultimately led to your glorification. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, happy Easter. It's great to have you with us today. We actually uh, didn't know how to plan today, Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. Lots of people were here. We, it was so full that we, we needed 150 extra palm crosses. So we bought them during the week. If you didn't get your cross last week, you got one this week. We pulled out every chair we own, not only so that you'd have a space, but so that you'd have a little space between you and <laughs> someone else. Because I know, I know sometimes that can be a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may have... Uh, uh, you may have accepted the invitation of a friend to come here today. We're grateful that you did. And, and here's what we're going to promise you. We're not going to do anything at all to embarrass you. This isn't going to be one of those moments that will have you stand and say your name or something like that. You just sit back, relax, and enjoy the morning. Every week we send out a, a weekend update, and a lot of you get that already. And there's a lot of good stuff going on right now. Some things are coming to an end. Some things are beginning. Before we go there, I'm just kind of curious. So I'm going to throw this at you. What's one of your favorite Easter memories as a kid? Favorite Easter memories? Yeah, yeah. Well, can I, I'm going to out you a okay. little bit. Okay, okay. <laughs> you see, one of my favorite Easter memories actually comes a couple days before on Good Friday. Ah. And uh, Good Friday, once we, we would have those services uh, back at our old building, and, well, people needed to clean up. Someone had to clean up, so our family would stay back, and, and generally, we would take all the extra communion bread, because you'd get like the real you know, French loaves for that mm-hmm. day, and then mm-hmm. all the extra communion juice, all that Welch's delicious uh, grape juice. <laughs> and we were told, well, you need to throw this away, like just dump it down the drain, put the bread in the garbage, and, and I'd sit in the back after taking it all to the back, and... <laughs> Have myself a Good Friday snack. (laughs) I've got a lot of Jesus' body and blood in me. Uh, But then once it was discovered that that I was doing this, there um, there was no scolding. In fact... He joined along with me. <laughs> so, so that's one of my favorite weekend memories. But I think this is another memory from when we lived in Joliet. Uh, my, my wife, for background, is terrified of the Easter Bunny. For no other reason than one time on vacation. Kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, one time on vacation, someone dressed up as the Easter Bunny and scared her through a window. And now, to this day, she's still terrified of it. Um, Make a I, great horror movie. Yeah, right? Funny. <laughs> But when, when we came down, uh, we were replacing floors in the, the house oh, yeah. uh, one day uh, when we were living in Juliet, and you stamped out bunny feet. And so we were able to, like, Shelly and I were able to walk, follow the bunny feet to our Easter baskets and, and the, uh, the tomb that we had made. So, yeah, very, very cool stuff. That's funny. Whoever yeah. lives over there in Avalon someday is going to rip up the floor and say, <laughs> what was going on here? Something prehistoric. That was, yeah. that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, my, my childhood goes back to North Tonawanda was famous for orange chocolate, which is now everywhere. But back then, we were one of the few places that made orange chocolate. And I, in my childhood, we didn't get a lot of candy. So I would nurse my Halloween candy up till Easter, and then I'd make my... My, my Easter candy <laughs> didn't make it to Halloween, but it, it, it lasted quite a while. I was good at rationing and kind of just kind of <laughs> getting that little bit at a time to make sure I had candy going all the way on through. But anyway, oh, it's, it's fun. It's fun to be able to celebrate this and, uh, and to be able to worship Jesus and at the same time enjoy the pieces of what it means to be family together. So... Yeah. 
you, you receive that update, and uh, you, can, you can sign up for this by going on our website. You can also ask over at the uh, Info Hub, and they'll show you how to get signed up. But there were a couple of things that were really, really important. One is that we're going to be doing this um, scripture memory yeah. coming into May, June, July, August. So you get a, a bracelet with a letter, the first letter of each word in the verse on it as a yeah. reminder. Which have you, Does that help you in memorizing? How, I don't know. I haven't done it yet. You haven't so, done that yet. So okay. we'll see. But yeah. I think this is going to be really cool because we're walking through the Romans roads. So we're basically, we're understanding, we'll, we'll learn from Romans Three cha- or chapter 3 on, mm-hmm. that everybody's sinned, we know what the wages of sin is, we know who paid that price, and we know the only way back. Uh, so it's, it's going to be really cool to, to do that, and I know already that I, I am going to be embarrassed uh, by our junior hires, because they are, like, they probably already have them memorized, and, uh, like, it kind of makes me sad that they're they just memorize that memorize it in several different versions. There you go. You know, yeah. They have a little fun. <laughs> have a little fun. Yeah. So we've got that coming up. You can register for that. And then it said, this went out Friday, you have until midnight to sign up for Green Lake, which was great. It pushed some people to get on in there. We had there. 12 registrations happen on Friday, so it was like, nice. they saw that, nice. and like, oh, yeah. And I know that... Uh, like deadlines are, are tough. And sometimes when, when that deadline comes and goes, you wake up Saturday morning, and you're like, oh, shoot, I didn't sign up, I forgot, and now I've got to miss the trip. Well, I like to push deadlines. <laughs> so we are giving you until midnight tonight now, midnight tonight to All sign right. up for Green Lake. And I just checked to make sure, 100% confirmation, we have... 91 students going. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, yes, <clears throat> it is very exciting. However, as I turned to my mom and I said that this is the biggest trip, like, by a long shot that we've ever had, as I turned to my mom, who's the one setting up the vans for us, said, hey, so what do you think about 91 students? She goes, actually, there's one who I know hasn't signed up yet, so we're at 92, and, and we'll see what comes today. I don't know if there are enough vans in America to get us to Green Lake. So we're going to get it figured out. Be praying for that trip. I'm so, so excited, though. It's, it's going to be a great time. And, you know, as we've gone through Rooted and had the chance to share stories together, one of the things I've heard repeatedly is the number of people for whom going away to camp was a moment of real spiritual experience. It was mm-hmm. a place that they had an encounter that they would not have in their, in their normal path of life. So get your kids to this. This yeah. is just vital. Here's the other side. Today, another registration opens, and that is... Day camp. Yay, Quest is here. Yes. Quest is here. So you get on, on there. That's for, that's for first to sixth grade this mm-hmm. year, right? Going into first to going into sixth. Yep, so we've extended mm-hmm. it, pushed it, so that if, you are, if you're that fifth grader graduating here in May, going into junior high, you still get one more summer of camp. So you get to... If, I'm sure that we will have some double dippers. You get to go to Green Lake and to day camp mm-hmm. or to Quest. So mm-hmm. congratulations on that. That's yep. awesome. So you get, yeah, you get a nice double. That, that's great. So we got that going on. You get signed up. You sign up for breakouts. There's a different breakout every day. Yep. So a, an activity or an interest that really appeals to the kids, you mm-hmm. sign up for those and they're age appropriate. And, and the, the big thing that we've tried to do, we know, we know right now everything costs more. Breathing costs more. Everything costs more. And we made as hard an effort as we could to make sure not only that it did not cost more, but that on the whole, we're trying to make it cost a little less. Mm -hmm. So right now, if you sign up between now and the end of the month, uh, you'll actually be getting, it's about a little over $10 a day. 
for your kid to be able to come to camp. Now, that doesn't include the T-shirt. You want a T-shirt? You got to buy that on your own? That's $275. But anyway, <laughs> um, no kidding. Um, but sign up for camp. Uh, there's, no, there's no Putin price hike built in. None of that. We are, we are trying our best to make sure uh, that everybody and anybody that wants to can be part of this experience. So, and we're just looking forward to really uh, busting out the walls this year. We're going to bring back a tent. We're doing a lot of things yeah. that are just going to make it an incredibly exciting year. Yeah, make sure you have conversation with your kids. Have them uh, invite friends, family, uh, whether it's cousins who don't live in the area, whatever. Invite them over for that week. Let them spend the night at your house and get them to camp. Um, tell kids, r- remind them as, we're, as you're in school, you have a great opportunity to say, hey, I want you to come to camp with me. I think that personal invitation, it matters. Even going down to like that first, second grade level. So, Absolutely. Yeah, get Absolutely. them doing it. Well, we're glad again that you invested your morning with us. Uh, we're going to watch a a clip here that reminds us of a portion of Scripture, and we're going to spend some time uh, looking at, I think, one of the most fascinating characters in Scripture. Those words were written by a man named Peter. Peter was a friend of Jesus while he was here on this earth, one of his best friends, and he was one of Jesus' followers. Jesus invited him to come on along and be part of the journey with him as Jesus introduced the concept of the kingdom of God uh, to the world. I love looking at Peter on Easter. I know that Easter is about the resurrection, and the resurrection is just, it is, one of, it is the most incredible experience in all of human history. But I like looking at Peter because Peter, Peter shows us the impact of the resurrection. Peter shows us why the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus were necessary, and the ways in which that death, burial, and resurrection can make a difference in every life, not just Bible characters, but every life, including us. Peter, I think we can relate to him on a number of levels. For the most part, he's a pretty common guy. If he walked in here today, he would fit right in. He's not, he's not a fancy pants. He's not, he's not highfalutin. He's, he's literally one of the guys. One of the things you'd probably notice is that he doesn't smell great. He's a fisherman, right? And, and we read that in the Bible that, that his living was going out and catching fish. I know for us these days, we catch fish for sport, for fun. Uh, there are tournaments that you can watch on TV where somebody wins 25,000 bucks for catching the biggest bass. This wasn't about that. This was about living. I mean, you want to talk sustainability? This was about sustaining their life and the life of the village. All of his life, he had been involved in getting out onto a boat, not with a, not with a rod and reel, but with a net and dragging in as many fish as he could in order to keep his family going and in order to keep his village going. So in many ways, just like us, goes to work for a living. Not only that, but the Bible tells us that, Jesus, that Peter lived in a house and that he had a mother-in-law. Mother-in-law implies something, right? He's married. Peter's married. And so he knows what it's like to go through the joy and the struggles of marriage, just like us. And, and when we read about Peter's personality, I kind of suspect there were more struggles sometimes than joys. I suspect that his, his quickness to speak, to get things out there, his boldness, his brashness sometimes probably got him in a little bit of trouble with his wife. Here's a guy that in many ways is just like us he would fit right in. I think there's another way that he's just like us. Peter, um, Peter was a man of highs and lows. 
He was, he was a guy who, I mean, it seemed at moments like, like he was saying or doing the most brilliant thing. You were amazed at what he had just said. And, and almost in a heartbeat, boom. I mean, it's like, it's like he's spiritually bipolar. One minute high, the next minute very low. His spiritual life looked a little bit like an EKG, you know? Boom, 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 boom. And I just suspect that that looks a lot like a lot of us. We look at people around us and we go, I just wish I had their consistency. I just wish I could do the same thing two days in a row. I just wish that, that I wouldn't have these moments of, of despair, moments of falling apart. I wish that there could be some evenness. Peter wasn't an even guy. He was an all-in guy, and sometimes that led to great moments, and sometimes it led to absolute disasters. There's a, there's a time in the life of Jesus that he's talking to his disciples, and he's, he's kind of testing them a little bit. Hey, what are you hearing in the crowd? Who do people say I am? And, and, and they start to give their answers. Well, some think you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Some think you might be Elijah. Some think you might be Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. They're just they're throwing out all their theories, and then Jesus, boom, makes it really personal. Okay, but who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? And, and this is what I love about Peter. I don't think I'm this way. I, I'd love to have a Peter in a small group when I'm leading because he's not afraid to answer the question. He just jumps in and goes. He doesn't, he doesn't waste a moment. He, he jumps in and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus to that says, oh my goodness, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. You are blessed because my Father in heaven is the one that's revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from a human being. And now I say to you that you are Peter. In that moment, he changes his name. He gives him a different name. And he doesn't give him a wimpy name. He calls him the rock. You are the rock. You are stability. I can build something with you. You are the rock. On this rock, I'm going to build my church, he says. I don't know. Knowing Peter's personality, he, he is just, he's loving this moment, right? I mean, he's finally got the answer right. This is amazing. And, and then Jesus flips the conversation. He starts talking about the fact that he's going to have to die, that he's going to be handed over to wicked people, that, that it's not going to go very well. And I love this because this guy who now has this new name, this new identity that he can live into, the Bible tells us that he actually, he grabs Jesus, puts an arm around him, come here, Jesus, come here, come here. I got to talk to you a minute. You got you to stop this negative talk. People aren't going to be following you if you're always a downer. Come on, bring it up, man, bring it up. I mean, what are you thinking here? This will never happen. You forbid it, Lord. And, and he gets another name at that moment as well. Because at that moment, Jesus says, get away from me, Satan. Get away from me. Stop tempting me. Stop. Can you see? I mean, highest of highs. You're Peter. You're the rock. Get behind me, Satan. Lowest of lows. This is happening to Peter all the time. Beautiful story in the Bible where Jesus goes off to pray. And he's, and he's praying, and the disciples, these fishermen, have gotten in a boat, and they're going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, given the fact that you live in the Chicago area, and you're used to seeing Lake Michigan, you got to get Lake Michigan out of your mind. This isn't a lake where you can't see the other side. You can see the other side quite clearly. They're going from one side to the other, and the way the mountains are formed in that area, huge storms would come up. And this storm is so bad that skilled fishermen believe they're going to die. 
And as they're out there on the water, a figure starts toward them. Fishermen loved legends. They loved legends. They, they were afraid of the kraken. You know what I mean? They're waiting for something bad to happen. And this ghostly figure comes toward them on the water. And they're not sure which is worse, drowning or being eaten by the ghost. And, and, and Jesus cries out, don't be afraid. It's me. It's me. And I love this. Because Peter, again, the guy, he's always got to put it out there. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come walking on the water. Tell me to come on out. Jesus says, yes, come. I wonder if he'd have said, oh, oh Peter, please, you know, you'll, you'll drown if Peter were gone. Whew. But no, he didn't. He says, come. And, and Peter puts his foot out on the water. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. He's a fisherman. He has put his foot over the side of the boat and into the water hundreds and thousands of times in his life. He'd come up to shore, foot out, pulling in the boat, and every single time, he'd feel the ground underneath his foot. Every single time, his foot would sink into the water. This time, he puts his foot, foot out, and it is rock solid. And he puts the other foot out, and it is rock solid. And he begins to walk, and he's looking at Jesus. But then Scripture tells us that as he's walking, as he's walking toward Jesus, he starts doing what we do. Again, he's just like us. He starts looking at the effects of the wind. He starts looking at the waves. He starts looking at the problems around him. And it says he begins to sink as he looks at the problems around him. Jesus immediately takes his hand and saves him. And then says what? You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Do you see the high? I mean, nobody other than Jesus ever walked on water. High of highs. And yet he sinks. He sinks the second he takes his eyes off Jesus, just like us. I mean, we live in incredibly turbulent times. You have a choice, eyes on Jesus or eyes on Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC, and watch the waves. Highest of highs, lowest of lows, all the time. And I, I, there's something about Peter that I suspect that in that highs of highs and lows of lows, he wished the highs would last a little longer. Are you like that? When you're having a good moment, you just kind of, what can I do to make this last, to stretch this out? Jesus is taking three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up for an experience, and they don't know what's about to happen. They climb up on a mountain, and when they do, God changes the appearance of Jesus to a heavenly figure. He's blazing white, beautiful, and there, as he's standing there, two figures come toward him, and the other disciples recognize immediately what's happening. Moses and Elijah have joined Jesus, and they're in conversation together. And Peter, James, and John are standing over there just like, holy cow, this is amazing. Can you believe this? Peter can never leave a void, right? He's got to say something. And he's like, Lord, we got to make this last forever. I never want to leave this mountaintop. This is the best. We'll build some tents. We will just stay here. We will worship you. And, and boom, just like that, lights go out. And it's Jesus, simple human, once again. And a voice from heaven says, this is my son. Hear him. Just hear him. I think just like us, he wanted those moments to last. He wanted the good moments. He wanted the, the moments we choose right to last. There's another way Peter's a lot like us. He not only got it wrong a lot of times, but he sinned big time. 
sinned in such a way, did wrong in such a way, that he had to have wondered, would God ever want anything to do with me ever again? He, he sins such a biggie sin that I'm telling you, whatever you brought into the room today, it's hard to imagine it's worse than what Peter did. It's really hard to imagine that it's worse than what Peter did. Jesus is with his disciples, and he's telling them that he's about to die. He's telling them, and he's about to be betrayed. All this is happening. And Peter, spokesman of the group, and the guy that always has to speak first says, Lord, if everyone else deserts you, I will never turn my back on you. Never. Do you have a friend like that? You know, I mean, you're going through a tough time, and they say, I'm with you. I'm with you all the time. Are you a friend like that? The kind of person that when somebody else is having difficulty, you're there, you're there to stand, you're there to stay. There had to have been some reassurance in hearing those words, and yet the words were hollow. Because Jesus says, here's the truth. Before the rooster crows twice, three separate occasions, you're going to deny knowing me. Peter says, no way. Even if I have to die with you, I would never deny you. I would never do that. Now, here's what's kind of incredible. The event that follows happens the same night. Not 15 years later when this conversation is a distant memory. The same night, the very same night, they head out to a grove of olives in Gethsemane. Jesus is going to pray. He's going to pray, my soul is deeply troubled. We know he prayed, drops of blood pour from his head. And he goes back to see the disciples and he specifically speaks to Peter. Notice what he calls him, not Peter, Simon. Simon, you sleeping? Dude, you're going to defend me to the end and you can't even stay awake for an hour? Oh, the spirit is willing, the body is weak. It's so weak. Jesus goes off to pray again, and again he comes back, and they're sleeping again. And I love the last line of verse 40. It says, and they didn't know what to say. They knew they were caught. They were busted. They couldn't stay awake with Jesus. He goes away a third time, and a third time he comes back, and they're sleeping once again. We're getting a little hint on what's going to happen with Peter. We get a little hint. Now, now Peter seems to have a spiritual high moment because they come to arrest him. And in that moment, the Bible tells us that one of the disciples grabs a sword and boom, takes a swipe and he, and he skillfully slices off an ear. Not exactly the guy you want to take into battle. But anyway, he slices off an ear. And other scripture tells us that that disciple was Peter. It seems like he's having a brilliant, brave moment. He's living up to what he said. But then as Jesus is taken away, you know what the end of the passage says? All his disciples deserted him and ran away. Everyone. It's not even like Peter watched at a distance hoping to be able to be helpful. All of them deserted. All of them absolutely ran away. Jesus goes on trial. And while he's on trial, Peter's out in the courtyard. There's a servant girl. Now, when I hear servant girl, I imagine servant girl, okay? I don't know. Maybe she's 22, 23. I'm imagining about 12. And this servant girl sees Peter. And I don't know, have you ever had a little kid stare at you like something's wrong with you? <laughs> it's creepy. It's just creepy, you know? This little girl, she's coming up and she's looking at him. And, and you, you, you can see him kind of turning his head a little bit, maybe fluffing his beard so that she doesn't. He's doing this. And the little girl says, you know, I know you. 
You're one, of the, you're one of those followers of Jesus. And he has the gall to lie to a little girl. I don't want you talking about. Nope. Nope, not me. This little girl won't give it up. Little girls don't give it up, right? They just keep going. She starts talking to other people. I think this is one of the guys. I think this is one of the guys. It's one of the guys. It's definitely one of the guys. Peter denies it again. A little later, some of the bystanders confronted, Jesus, confronted Peter. You must be one of them. You're a Galilean. You're not from this area. And this time, he, he throws in an expletive just to make sure you know, I'm not with that guy. I swear to God, I'm not with that guy. And the rooster crows a second time. Rooster crows a second time. And it says, suddenly... The words of Jesus flashed before Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. You'll say you never even knew me. And it says at that moment, he broke down and he wept. I love the way Luke puts it because he tells us another piece of the story that at that moment, Jesus was being taken through the courtyard and he turned and he looked and he saw Peter. Have you ever done something wrong and had a person look you in the eyes after you did it? That is a painful moment. It's a painful moment when you are busted and when that person you love looks you in the eyes and knows what you did. The shame, the embarrassment, the humiliation. Luke says he went out weeping bitterly. I, I suspect at this moment Peter goes, I'm handing in my rock badge. I'm handing in the name Peter. From now on, I'm just Simon. I am irredeemable. I've done the worst. I've turned my back on my friend in their hour of need. Not only my friend, the son of God. I've turned my back on God. Well, we know the morning of the resurrection, as Brian read, that when the disciples learn that Jesus is risen, John and Peter run to the tomb, and it says John got there first, but Peter goes right on in. He's got to see what's going on. And he knows that Jesus is alive. And at this moment, I think he's thinking, oh, my word, if he shows up, what am I going to do? I looked him in the eyes once. I'm going to have to look him in the eyes again. And, and there are some moments along the way that Jesus actually says, go tell his disciples and Peter Go tell my disciples and Peter. There's this, there's this invitation. He calls him Peter, doesn't it? And Simon. And Peter, tell him. You come to John chapter 21. And, and Peter, I think, is really reverted back to his old ways. He's, he's kind of done with it, you know what I mean? He decides he's going fishing. He decides he's unusable, irredeemable. A bunch of them say they'll go with him. And so they head on out. They fish all night. Catch nothing. They've been here before. This, this, the, you know, if you fish, sometimes you do well and sometimes you catch nothing. At dawn, Jesus is standing on the beach. Disciples don't know it's him. And, and Jesus does what fishermen hate when you haven't caught anything. Did you catch anything? No. Leave me alone. Why don't you throw your net to the right side of the boat? The next thing fishermen hate is advice. 
all right? Don't tell me how to. I've been doing this all my life. I know what I'm, but they listen. They do it. And it says immediately the fish is, the net is filled with so many fish, they can't even pull it in. And, and John looks to shore and says, oh my word, it's the Lord. And it says Peter just, he doesn't even wait. He jumps out of the boat and he starts to swim. And I've been thinking about this a bit. I'm wondering, does, does Peter swim like Mark Spitz? You know, I mean, he's just smooth or, or is he like flailing around like a furball in the water? I'm not sure which, but none Nonetheless, he gets to shore. He gets on up there. And when he gets there, he sees that Jesus has already made breakfast. It's waiting for them. Fish and bread are waiting for them. He's ready to serve them. And then comes this intriguing verse. In verse 10, it says that, that Jesus says, bring some of the fish you caught. Now, that may seem inconsequential to you, but that line is huge to me. You know what Jesus is saying? come. I'm inviting you back. I'm inviting you to bring you to the table. Come. Bring what? He doesn't say, I got this, Peter. You, uh, you mess up things every time. You never get it right. Bring some of the fish you caught. After breakfast, we go through those three intense moments. Jesus looks Simon in the eyes. Notice it says Simon, not Peter. Peter's going to have to decide, is he taking the name back? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs a second time. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep a third time. Do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. It says it hurt him. He was embarrassed. It was, it was painful to have to answer it a third time. And he says, then feed my sheep. Peter did something so awful that Jesus should have said, I may forgive you, but I'm never bringing you back in the fold. You are completely untrustworthy. But instead, he says, bring some of your fish with you. You see, I think part of the reason we can relate to Peter is we all live there. Highs of highs, lowest of lows. We get it wrong. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're in the middle of a wrong season. You're in the middle of, if, if, you're like, if people knew my sin, the paint would peel off the walls. And Jesus is saying, bring your fish to the table. Come on. I want you. I, I didn't die on the cross just to be able to be part of human history. I died on the cross. I died, was buried, and rose again so that you can be forgiven. And so for some of us today, we need that initial moment of forgiveness, that initial moment that we come into relationship with God through Jesus, that we recognize that we're not as bad as we could be, but we are not as good as we could be. We've all sinned. We fall short of God's standard of perfection. And the only way, the only way that we can come back into a relationship with God again is through Jesus. We pray a prayer something like this one, Lord Jesus Christ. I am weaker and more sinful than I ever believed before. Yet I am more loved and accepted than I ever dared hope. I thank you, Jesus, for paying my debt, for bearing my punishment, and offering me forgiveness. I turned from my sins and trusted you as Savior. Folks, if you've never come into a relationship with God, this is how you do it. Like, it can't be that easy. There's got to be more involved. 
It has to be that easy. We were talking about this the other day in our group. It has to be that easy so that anybody, even a five-year-old, could accept. And it has to be that easy because it's all based on grace. Grace is unmerited favor. There's nothing I can do to earn or deserve the favor of God. It's given to me. I have to ask. All you have to do is ask. Just ask. And you'll receive that forgiveness through Jesus. Now, some of you, some of you have prayed a prayer like this, and you're still sitting here this morning in one of your low of lows because today you not only need repentance, you not only need forgiveness, but you need the restoration. You need to come back to the place of saying, God, I know you forgive me, and I'm taking back the name Peter. I'm taking back the name. I'm taking back my role in your family. You've offered for me to bring some fish. Today's the day to realize that that forgiveness is continual. It's continual. And no matter what mess you've got yourself in today, Jesus offers that forgiveness. So today is going to be about ham, deviled eggs, celery with cream cheese, some great potatoes with radishes and all kinds of things. Oh, we love the meal. Boy, I hope you don't think Easter is all about a meal. Today's the day you could be forgiven. Today's the day you could be restored. But you have to decide. You have to decide. And so, Father God, I pray that we would make the decision. The decision to receive Jesus as the one who forgives sin. Or having received Jesus, to realize today that you want to restore us to our former place. You want to bring us back home. That you don't hold our sins against us when we come to you and ask in genuine repentance for your forgiveness. Lord God, help us to stop living in a spiritual doghouse and to come back to you to bring the fish to the table. You invite us to. Give us the wisdom to receive your invitation. In Jesus' name. It was like a million Easter's ago, way, way back when we were moving into contemporary music, singing it on Sunday mornings that we did a song on an Easter Sunday morning. I still can see it with such vividness, the people I knew up there singing it. And, and the words, there was, a, there was such a compelling line in that song. It said, nothing you could do could make him love you more. And nothing that you've done could make him shut the door. We get it so mixed up. We think there's something more we could do to earn the love of God. And, he's, and, he's, and he, he's like a storekeeper who just keeps saying, don't you get it? It's free. It's free. It's really free. It's free. Just take it. It's free. But we think we can do something to earn it. We can't. That's grace. And nothing you could do could make, you, could make him shut the door. When you look at yourself in the mirror, I suspect when you really look into your eyes, all you see is your sin. All you see is your mistakes. All you see is the devastated relationships. All you see is the messes you've made and you just have to look down because you can't bear how it feels. And that same Jesus is saying, it's free. It's free. 
You have to ask. It's free. You have to reach out and ask. You have to ask. It's free. Would you finally believe the message of Easter? You do this every year. Every year you come, you hear, I mean, we don't change it up an awful lot. It's about forgiveness. It's about grace. He offers it to you freely if you will just believe. And in that moment, here's what's going to happen for you. You're going to stop looking in the mirror and seeing you for your sin, and you're going to start looking in the mirror and seeing the loving eyes of Jesus looking back at you. And those loving eyes are going to be saying, you have a new name, forgiven, forgiven. Would you live into the name? Live into the name. So for those of you that didn't get one last week, I'll have the crosses at the door, but here's the thing. You have to ask for it, okay? (laughs) You have to ask. Enjoy your Easter.